Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Winning Plays Podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. Gordon Hayward has been signed and traded, and we are back here at the Winning Plays Podcast to break it down. My name is Brian Robb, joined by guest co-host Ryan Bernardoni, and we will get into the nitty-gritty of the Hayward situation and what exactly the Celtics do with uh, what is looking like will be the largest trade exception in NBA history in just a minute. But first, as always, let you know, I'm actually going to remember for once, please subscribe to the Winning Plays podcast. Uh, rate, review us on iTunes. You guys have been listening a ton the last couple weeks. Really appreciate that. Please spread the word um, since we'll be having much more of that as the season jumps up on us quickly. And um, But I want to bring in Ryan here. Um, this is this was no surprise, really. This The, the sign and trade was always going to happen in some form. Um, between the Celtics and the Hornets. It was a matter of whether it was going to get complicated or not, I feel like, Ryan. But it's done. Two second-round picks going to the Hornets. Uh, the Celtics creating a $28.5 million trade exception. That will be good for roughly an NBA calendar year here, uh, sometime into early 2021 NBA offseason. So, Ryan, initial thoughts on this juicy, juicy trade exception the Celtics have coming. That's yeah, our long national nightmare is over. Uh, the Gordon <laughs> Hayward saga is finally done uh, for the second second time in his career. The long Gordon Hayward saga is done. Uh, it's yeah. I mean, like you said, we sort of assumed that it would end like this because just all by all rational ideas, it, it should have ended like this. But you never really know. Teams aren't always rational. Uh, it ended in the way that it was originally reported, basically, where Charlotte did end up waving and stretching Nick Batum. Uh, this is a ridiculous entire situation for Charlotte, to be honest. It's still terrible for them. Yeah, so they wave and stretch Batum. They sign Hayward to a contract that I think basically everybody believes is above market. They didn't even structure it as a fully descending contract, um, which changes the exact amount that uh, that the Celtics get in a trade exception. For anybody who wants to know, it's just barely not quite enough to fit Brad Beal in, and you can't add to a trade exception at all. So it will not be the Brad Beal trade exception. I don't exactly know why they, they did that. You would think that from Charlotte's perspective, they would want to have the contract be fully descending and start it as high as possible. They they are actually right now a cap space team. So maybe they're going to go and overpay somebody else $9 million a year. And they were like reserving cap space to do something else. I'm not really sure. Uh, maybe they've done it since, uh, since last I checked a few hours ago, who knows, but um, so it's a little odd the way that, that all this went down really from the Charlotte perspective, from the Celtics perspective, this is the simplest way that it could have ended, which is that they didn't have to involve any players. 
They didn't have to take any money back, so they get the largest possible exception. They give up two second-round picks. They're both the Celtics' own second-round picks relatively, you know, a couple years down the line. But the, the team should still be, should be in the 50s at that time. Yeah, you would think it's certainly sub-45, right, somewhere in the, the back half of the second round. They didn't give up the Memphis trade stuff that they got um, for giving up the 30th pick, which maybe those picks are going to be a little bit better. They could have been a target for what they were looking for. So they gave up very little. Uh, they get this big trade exception. Now, obviously, the key is how they use it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, from a sort of technical perspective of how all this this played out, it it looks – basically like it was reported the the day when they said that the Hayward was going to Charlotte and it just took a couple of days for the, you know, Charlotte to figure out that nobody else wants Nick Batum and, and that they're, I don't know. I, right, I, don't I guess, know why I mean, Batum like yeah. a Zeller or something like that, but whatever, right. that's, that was their decision. I guess it, the cost of getting rid of Zeller or Batum was not preferable to just getting two seconds and taking the $9 million cap it for next three years. It seems kind of nuts. Yeah. To me, that that would be better, but I mean, they were the one making the calls on this, and so they said, "Yeah, sure, we'll we'll have Hayward cost us thirty nine million dollars a year for the next three years. That's we'll do that. That's fine." Yeah, I guess once you've convinced yourself that cap space doesn't matter in your market, you just start burning it. Um, now it's a little bit weird to think to think that way and then use cap space to sign a player for you know, one hundred twenty million dollars, but it seems a little bit to be that's that's the case where they're like, "Well, we're not really ever." a target for the best free agent. So who cares if we spend, you know, $39 million for the first couple of years on, on this player that nobody seems to really think is quite worth that, um, particularly with the health questions. But, you know, it's, as we've been talking about throughout the off season, like this isn't, a, this isn't particularly a good outcome for the Celtics for, you know, from where they were before the off season began. Uh, but it, it is what it is. And it's better than nothing. Uh Making yeah, the best out of a bad situation is that like yeah put it yeah uh, I mean the whole the whole thing is kind of a mess the timing was a mess the just the way that it possibly played out with Indiana we don't even really know you and I are both I think on the same page that that what they could have gotten back from from the Pacers is not something that's particularly appealing although if there really was a first round pick uh, offered from from Indiana along with Miles Turner and the they Celtics wouldn't have had to trade out these seconds. You can make an argument however you can, but basically the situation isn't great. They've done what they can with it. And now they have this big opportunity and it's really on the front office that we've both been talking about has become a little bit stagnant, particularly in season. They're quite active in the off season, but like we're getting very close to the season now. Um, and that it really is up to them to, to use this opportunity to improve the team in some meaningful way. Uh, because otherwise it's just, you know, they can make the best of a bad situation and then have it turn into nothing. Um, and you just kind of hope that doesn't happen. Yeah, I mean, the pressure's on because there, there's not – there's no extra picks lying around to bail them out. There's – I mean, I guess the pressure's on with using the trade exception A and also just the first um, – the young players in this team being B, whether it's this year's draft class, last year's draft class, like – a couple of those guys really need to to pop now, not not turn into like even starters or you know even more than that, but just be fully functional rotation players um, to that can complement a, a contender because without it, there's everything's is gone. The, the the treasure chest of assets has been has been used. It has not been maximized in the last couple of years, and on top of that, the things you added with the, the cap space that had been, you know, hoarded for, for a couple of years uh, have, has also walked out the door. So it's, um again, it's better than nothing to have it. And we're going to start 
going through some options in terms of what this team can do with it, whether using it sooner rather than later or holding off till even after the season, which I think is a legitimate possibility too, uh, depending on how things play out. But um, yeah, it's just, uh, it's going to be fascinating to, to see what happens here because the, the, the pressure is on after the way the, this, this Hayward situation shook out, Ryan, I feel like. Yeah, for sure. They, they can't let this become nothing or become something particularly bad. Now there are ways that you can use it that are not like particularly good, right? You can take on bad money and pick up draft picks and start to rebuild some of that, that treasure chest that, that as you rightly said, is has started to diminish things like that, that aren't exciting, but they are a use for this type of situation. Uh, but in general, I think, yeah, we're on the same page that like the pressure's on to turn this into something like of long-term value in, in some manner. Um, it's If you turn it into something of short-term value, you better have that actually turn into something meaningful. Um, and that meaningful can be that the player who you pick up, you know, as, as a rental resigns or something like that. It doesn't, I'm not necessarily saying that they have to win the title this year. You're using on a short-term um, pickup is, is not a big deal, but yeah, it's been a bad off season. Um, to me, it's been sort of a, you know, like D plus off season to be, to be perfectly honest with the way everything has moved slowly. They've, I think, missed a number of opportunities. And uh, if they had been able to move quicker, the, the Tatum extension, while exciting that he signed an extension was basically a foregone conclusion that he was going to sign an extension. And what he did sign was the most player friendly and team unfriendly. Uh, we can talk, you know, maybe not today, but at other times about sort of asset allocation and how they use the mid-level. And, and again, the, the timing stuff that we've talked about that leads all, into all of this, where basically all of the league's business is done. And now you have this big trade exception. It has been a poor off season. And now they have this one sort of big thing here to, to turn that around. Uh, and whether or not that's a week from now or a year from now, it's well not exa- not a calendar year from now, but um, you know a, a, a league year from now, we'll see. Um, but something does, you know, something meaningful does have to have to happen with it. So as we head into training camp this week, which is kind of nuts, um, that things are going to get going away, going here so quickly uh, back at the Arabac Center. Um, it looks like they're done for the time being um, with their obviously moves. There is, there is room to, you know, they likely still have the biannual exception to use, which is worth um, a couple million dollars if they want to splurge. But to be honest, there's not a lot of guys out there that are might be worth using that on at this point. And the roster is technically full. Um, but so when you look at, I think the, the first thing I look here, Ryan, as they're evaluating how to use this trade exception is figuring out what they have with the young guys. And it hasn't been an ideal offseason by any means, but Danny just certainly left it to where, okay, like I'm not going to give Brad Stevens much of a choice here, especially in the first month of the year if, if Kemba is slow out of the gate and Romeo Langford, unfortunately, is hurt with a guy you'd want to see on the floor. But you're going to find out what the young guys can do right away because they're, they're going to need to play, whether it's Aaron Neesmith, definitely, um, Peyton Pritchard, could push for some backup minutes at point guard. You're going to find out what those guys are. And so do you feel like that, how much do you think seeing what those guys can do will potentially just like, you know, start to help them figure out, okay, how should we use this, this big $28 million uh, this year? Yeah. I, I think that there's a, a decent chance that it, that it does, but realistically, I think we know where the holes in the roster are uh, unless one of those young players has a really serious breakout and, and, 
goes beyond being sort of, oh, this guy can be a seventh or eighth guy for the, you know, for this season or, and next. Uh, it's also, it is possible that they will use it tomorrow, right? They may already have something lined up. They did give assets to get it. And maybe they're, they've got something basically in the works. I don't, I wouldn't necessarily expect that, but like, it's possible, right? I mean, um, there are players out there who I think reasonably could be involved in something like that. Although there's also the challenge of just because training camp starting in a week, like how do teams want to settle at some point here, right? They, there, there probably aren't a lot of other teams that are looking to, to mix things up uh, a significant amount at this point. Um, so you're likely looking at this being used at some point, you know, a little bit down the line into the season. So naturally, yeah, those young players will in some ways define what you're using it on. If Kemba looks like he's going to be less healthy than we're hoping for and Peyton Pritchard is, you know, looks like a bust, whatever, um, then you might shift from saying, oh, we need a, a sort of a wing into this, into this exception to saying that you need a, a point guard or a creator of some kind. That's very obviously the, the type of thing that could happen. Um, and similarly with, with Neesmith, um, if he breaks out and looks like he's, you know, oh, why didn't this guy go in the top 10? Why isn't he the fifth best player in the league, whatever, or the fifth best player in the draft, whatever it might be, then again, that might shift things and you're saying, oh, okay, we don't need to focus on, on that kind of shooting. That's just sort of a natural way that, that, that things will play out, assuming it's not used right away. But I think the, the larger point that you're making is right that it's like, it's, it's go time. Um, basically now you have players who are injured. You have a roster that is not particularly stocked with veterans, you know, up and down. And so some of these young players are going to have to play and, and yeah, they'll determine, I think they'll determine not only how the, the trade exception gets used, but in some cases they might determine whether or not they are pieces who are floated as a return in trades, right? Uh-huh. Sure. You know, do some of these guys have any value left um, or not, depending on how they play. So there's a, sort of, you don't want to say these, these things are career defining, but the first few weeks of the season, the first, you know, a few months of the season for the Celtics, assuming that we get to the point and they actually start successfully start a season and are playing games could be more important for some of these young players than they normally would be um, just because there, there is a, a team that has expectations and need at the same time uh, that, that they need to fill a role on. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. I mean, no question, because you look at with, with the treasure chest of draft picks pretty much gone, you, and if you're going to use this trade exception and you want to get someone good, you're going to have to give something up. I mean, it'd be nice that you don't have the salary match for the Celtics, which has been a clear issue for them in the past few years, which has led to a dearth of just trades being done, period, in season. But now you find maybe that these guys can build some value, show some potential. So all you're, you're not offering simply late first-round picks to absorb some salary. Like, you can add some real value in players that have some cost control on a rookie-scale contract and have some – some potential there, unless you're going to move a, a part of your core, which, you know, is a, is a whole different conversation that, you know, we'll, we'll get into, but um, you know, both those options will surely be on the table. Um, but this is, like you said, this is a time, this first couple of months, this is could be the, the, the unique opportunity where these guys can show what they can do and whether that's going to be showing that they can be a good bench option for the Celtics in the long run, or, you know, building some value so the Celtics can get, the more win now piece to, to add to their bench. And not having Langford ready sort of looms over a surprisingly large number of decisions that the team has to make and options that the team has. And I assume that he's not going to be on the floor for the team. I, I guess his cast is being removed in the not too distant future. I saw, I don't even remember where I, I mean, saw that. I don't even know if it was. Um, I'd but, say before 
I'd be shocked if he's back before by the end of January if he's in his cast off now because that's going to take. Yeah, I mean, as, as someone who's had several wrist surgeries, like that's just getting your cast off. You still got a lot of work to do. Um, yeah, that's, so that's sort of where I'm at. Is is this going to be? You know, is, is he going to miss 15 games, 30 games? How, like how far into the season it's going to be? And it's just at some point there isn't a lot of time left for him to show what he is, and and so some of these decisions that we're talking about are just limited by, by that. It, and it really is difficult uh, to gauge some of that stuff. And because right now he has functionally, I would imagine very little trade value just because nobody knows what he is. Right. Um, and, and that really is a, a difficult situation that, 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 like I said, sort of looms over some of these things, but in other places, players you talk about, of course, Robert Williams, who comes up in these conversations a lot and Grant Williams, like those guys are going to have to play. Um, I hope Robert Williams plays. Grant Williams is certainly going to have to play. Robert Williams is Grant Williams going to start? Get... Yeah, I mean, I know that's a a hot topic of of conversation right now. I think that it's that um, that's probably the the correct and best decision for how you would build the team. I suspect that he doesn't, um, but it would be completely reasonable for him to start. Right. Because I, I, mean, well, I guess he's not going to be ready either. So. Yeah, like if, and also I think, I mean, Brad Stevens did, I think he was on with Goodman and uh, and Bob Ryan last week on a podcast where he, he hinted that Kemba was going to be slow out of the gate, which is not a surprise. But he also said, like, you know, we're going to be playing our more bigs this year because that might be our strength. So, again, are we going to see some, like, Tristan Thompson at the four for, like, yeah. 10 minutes a night? Like, I don't know. I mean, that's, we could, we'll find that out in a couple weeks anyway, but. That's a way to get Rob Williams on the floor, I guess. Um, yeah. Not in an ideal question. situation, but yeah. it is a way. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I think, especially if Kemba's not, if Kemba is ready to go, then I assume they'll start smart. If he's not, then I assume they'll start smart at point guard, in which case then I think you would play Grant Williams. Um, it's uh, it's not, all, not at all clear to me, although I think that, like I said, that having Grant Williams in the starting lineup at, because of his sort of, Blue guy, lower usage, um, makes more sense than having him coming off the coming off the bench where you need to find somebody who can score um, right. and how you're going to be able to put those lineups together. So, but I mean, we'll get answers to all of these things very soon because the season starts like tomorrow. So, um, but uh, yeah, I'm not a fan of big ball, so none of that stuff really super excites me. Uh, you got to you got to play with the roster you have though. Right. So let's get back to the trade exception then in terms of just evaluating it with, you know, you find out we have the young guys. And so let's say, you know, we're going to not even the trade deadline. I imagine if they're going to make a move in season, it's probably going to become come sooner rather than later just to maximize, um, you know, what the, how much you can integrate a guy into the team's program. Um, there are some in-season limitations, Ryan, in terms of what that could impact if the Celtics use it. And it's also to be clear, people, they don't have to use it all in one guy. Um, they can trade for a player making $10 million and then still have $18 million left to the exception to use in a separate deal. So uh, based on that, I mean, we'll talk about some big salary options in a minute, um, but that's an important thing to remember, just like you don't have to just look at the big you could some maybe, and especially for this, the way this roster is built out, like getting a couple really solid guys making between 10 and $15 million might be, you know, a better option anyway with it. So it is, um, they're going to certainly have to be weighing a lot of things 
in terms of how they want to use it most effectively, I feel like. NFL football continues on this week, which has a few surprise teams at the top of the standings. And you might not be able to be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. No matter how the schedules change or players that play, Bet Online is going that extra mile to make sure you can get in on every game this season with the fastest updated odds in the industry. There are always more options to wager than anywhere else online, so head on over to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great midseason bonuses, offers, and contests. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. And now back to the show. Yeah, I can throw out a couple of the other technical things for it just because I, we don't need to get too deep into it. But, but I, right, like you said, you can split it into multiple parts. Um, there, I've been asked a couple times, like, hey, can you only use this on one guy? The disabled player exception to so the DPE versus the TPE, right? That's You can only use that on one guy. Uh, also, the TPE, unlike that disabled player exception, is not just for expiring contracts. You can take guys who have multiple years left, mm-hmm. uh, which is an important factor here and, and may play a big role in uh, – or a big part in, in the players who they're targeting, in, in my opinion, it should. Um, so you can take guys who have multiple years uh, left on their contract. Uh, you can't combine exceptions. So they actually have three trade exceptions right now. They have the Hayward one. They also have Cantor and, and Barrier have their trade exceptions. You can't combine them. You can't combine a trade exception and a player, although you can, in a larger trade of multiple parts, trade a player and receive multiple players, one who goes into a trade exception. Like you can break up trades in different ways, but you can't combine, you can't aggregate a player and an exception, um, which I think most people understand now because we've gone through this over the years about, <laughs> no, you can't take a $28 million trade exception and add Carson Edwards and then fit Brad Beal. It doesn't work right. that way. Um, the trade exception, you can use the entire value of it plus $100,000. So you can actually take in 28.6 million, even though it's a 28.5 million exception. Uh, I think those are sort of the, the yeah, main good, pieces good to it. Uh, right. And, you know, uh, usually trade exceptions get the sort of most straightforward way of doing it is that you trade for a player, you send a pick, which has no salary attached to it, they send you back a player, they then create their own trade exception, and you go down the line having fun with that. Uh, but, yeah, I think that, that that's sort of the basics of it. There are other limitations that we should talk about, particularly signing Tristan Thompson with the, the MLE uh, hard caps them. So the hard cap is a line a little more than $6 million above the luxury tax line. And you can't ever cross that in the season for any reason. You can't go a dollar over it. You can't go over it and come back under it like you can with the tax line. It's just, it's a hard cap. You can't cross that. Um, the math on exactly where they are related to the hard cap is a little challenging right now to figure out. Uh, for one reason is that they have, as you said, they have a full roster. They have 15 guys. So in order to create a space to bring somebody in, you'd have to move somebody out. And so you have to decide who you're taking out of that. The easiest one to say is that Javante Green is still non-guaranteed right now. Um, and so you can just wave him now, go down to 14, and, and then have space to take a player in. But um, he probably isn't the worst player on the roster right now, depending on what you think of maybe Carson Edwards uh, and Semi Ojale. Um, they have guarantees, so if you were to lose them, that money would stay on the books. If you waive somebody after they've played part of the season, so let's say Javante plays until the trade deadline and then you waive him or plays until the day before contracts become guaranteed or his contract becomes guaranteed, the money that he's been paid out gets counted on. So counting up exactly how much space there is is hard. The other thing is that all potential uh, incentive bonuses count. So Jalen Brown has a couple million dollars in bonuses that you have to count against the apron. So it's very difficult to figure out exactly where they are compared to the apron right now and, and to make your estimates. The number that I'm using has been around 21 million, 
21.3, 21.4 million. You'll see 22 million, I think is the most common number I'm seeing like just sort of out in the world. I think that's a little bit high. You also want to leave yourself a little wiggle room in there because things like this is going to be the COVID season and you might need to sign 10 day contracts, right? You may need to drop down and sign 10 days or, or waive somebody. Like it's, it's very difficult to predict how the season is even going to play out. And that hard cap is not going to go away. Um, you, what you really don't want to be is in a position where you're like, okay, we're going to waive, we're going to trade away Daniel Tice for nothing and sign a guy who, you know, to the veterans minimum, because we need to make enough guys on the floor because we have injuries and stuff, right? So you have to be a little bit careful around that. Um, and then the other thing is that there, the team probably wants to end under the luxury tax unless they have a really good opportunity to pick up somebody. And so that number there may be 17 million-ish away from the luxury tax. Um, again, it's a little bit difficult because of Jason or because of Jalen Brown's bonuses and how, how that stuff counts. Maybe you want to cut that a little bit safe and say maybe 15, 16 million they have in, you know, in room to play under the luxury tax. So you put all that stuff together and what players you can actually bring in, you know, you had said maybe you want two guys who are in the sort of 10 to 15 million range. It's hard to fit two guys of that size. You're probably looking more at one uh, unless you roll over into the next league year when all of this stuff resets and that opens up some, some greater possibilities again. But if you want to be picking up guys to help this season, in my mind, it's probably one guy. Um, and unless you, there's not much salary, 16. Right. Cause there's not much, there's not much salary. Like say you want to get a, a high, you know, a $25 million guy this season. And you're like, okay, well I can clear out maybe a couple more million dollars in room. There's not yeah. a lot of guys on this roster that you, you want to dump, especially that make more than $4 million. Um, cause that's, yeah. If you're picking up a guy who makes 25 million, you're hoping that it's a good enough player where it, it allows you to, you know, say like, okay, we're going to move out this, move out this other guy who makes some amount of money. But like Marcus Smart is the guy who, you know, is the first right. guy above $10 million. You're not moving Tatum, obviously. Tristan Thompson, you just signed. So you get into sort of the Daniel Tice range, and it's like, okay, well, is there a center who makes $25 million who would be worth moving out Daniel Tice? And it's like we just learned with the whole Miles not Turner Miles thing Turner. that are not <laughs> interested in paying Nick Vucevic $26 million when they could have Daniel Tice for $5 million, right? Like it, right. it just doesn't seem realistic. So to me, it's more likely that it would be if it's used in this season on somebody in that sort of like, you know, 10 to 16, 17 million range that gets them just under the luxury tax. They don't have to worry about the the hard cap all that much. A little bit of flexibility in there for certain things. And like, that's probably the sweet spot. If you drop below that, if you get into guys who make five, $6 million, like you might just be able to make trade matching for the guys you're sending out and not even need to use the exception at that right. point. There's also, those guys don't generally get moved. You know, there are a lot of times on rookie scale deals, things like that. So um, yeah. I, know oh, I to, sort of threw a ton out there. No, no, but that's all important. It's all important stuff. Like that's like this is what all the things that they're going to be considering when they figure out what to do. It's not it's not a simple decision, uh, not a straightforward one in terms of how to use it and when to use it. Um, to me, I, like just looking at where they are, where this roster is, um, I honestly think I'd bet against them using it in season if Kemba isn't right this year, like because. If Kemba isn't right this year, then your ceiling is probably not the finals anyway. And so you're probably better off, not that you're punting on the year by any means, like because if, if Tatum and Brown still improve any, you're, you're still going to be right there if, if some of the some of your young guys are able to, you know, play confidently off the bench. 
but you might just be, you know, if, if you want to stay out of the tax for, to reset the repeater tax clock, um, which we can talk about later. But um, I think for, from that standpoint, like adding a, you know, 10 to $50 million guy is not going to make a huge difference compared to what you could conceivably get if you kind of save the whole thing for next off season and could technically use that as a big, you know, cap room via like a sign and trade deal and free agency. So um, here's my problem with that. <laughs> it's that um, the guys who you could, so one is that it's not quite big enough for next year to be like, it doesn't get you a max guy. It doesn't get you a max, max guy. Right. So you can't, you can't get in on those players. It does get you, I think, just over the projected 25% max, but those guys are all restricted. And if they're good enough, then nobody, like, there's no team that's in restricted free agency. It's, you know, it does happen, right? Uh, Brogdon got moved under that circumstance. Like, it's not like it never happens, but it's a little bit difficult. The bigger problem is that if you take somebody in and sign a trade next year, you get hard capped again. And Jason Tatum's going to be on a 30% max. Uh, that's a good point. And yeah. the numbers just sort of break down. It becomes very difficult to fit everything. Um, so, that's my my would be my biggest concern with thinking about it that way. I think you're better off looking at players who maybe make that amount of money you would want to have be adding next year who just already make it now, right? So you have uh, bird rights guys, on them. Yeah, or if there are guys who you can't bring in this year, this is a pretty narrow window. Guys who have a contract that you could add next year after the season resets um, because you don't have to worry about the hard cap because they're already signed. Uh, but that you couldn't add this year because of the hard cap. But it's like, it, that's a very specific set of players. Yeah. Um, so to me, it makes more sense to use it this season and to look for a player who has multiple years left on their deal or who you are pretty confident that you'd be able to re-sign with bird rights um, just because of that, that concern of like, if you're using it as cap space to sign and trade and Tatum is on 25 or 30% max, like it's real hard math to work. Right, unless you're moving a big salary elsewhere, which yep. they would presumably be like Kemba or Jalen, which we think, I assume the odds are pretty low of either. I mean, Jalen, I mean, we'll get to certain guys, like you you move them in the right deal. Um, I think yeah. like we're talking obviously like Giannis and, or like a Bradley Beal. And so the um, but, problem but, with that, with that line of thinking is like, if you're trading for Bradley Beal. You're, you're using Jalen's money anyway, so you don't need the trade. Yeah, exactly. You don't need to use the trade exception under, under that circumstance. So you don't, it's probably, maybe it would be Kemba at that point. If it's Jalen, you have to add some other stuff, but it's like, oh, okay, Jalen and Tristan Thompson. And then you've got the Beals max or something like that, right? Like, you don't need the exception to right. do that. Um, and that's, and that's an important thing to remember for all these, when people are throwing out names for this trade exception, if it's a really good player, like Jalen Brown's going to have to go. Or Marcus Smart's like someone really good on this roster is going to have to go. Like the Celtics aren't going to be able to offer three first round picks for Bradley Beal that the Wizards are going to say go screw. We're going to we want a young emerging All Star um, from somewhere else, which they'll get. And so that's where, to your point, Ryan, like kind of breaking this up and find using this exception to get maybe some more just some cost controlled pieces that fit the roster better is probably the better bet than you know, thinking you're going to get it on a, you know, potential all-star down the line. Yeah. And I mean, that really could be to the extent of like, you get to the trade deadline and there's a team or a couple teams that have fallen out. And this actually, a problem that might come up here is that this is going to be a really scrambled weird season and there's now a play in tournament. And so like how many teams are going to be looking at it being like, we got to get into the play in tournament. Who are the real sellers going to be when you get all the way down to the end? It's like teams that are hemorrhaging money because of the pandemic. Probably. Yeah. I mean, that might be more of what matters than, 
like where exactly they are because are there teams that are going to be in the 10th slot who are thinking that they can make into the playoffs anyway because whatever. Um, but you're looking at the teams that like somebody who falls way out and you get to the trade deadline and you literally are taking a player because you're like, we don't really have anything else to use this for and we think you can be able to help us in the playoffs, but really we're buying your bird rights because we know we aren't going to have cap space forever. And this gets you into, uh, I think John Hollinger wrote about the, the bird rights trap, right? It's this idea that once you have bird rights on somebody and you're capped out, you end up overpaying them because you're afraid to lose them. And that, that becomes a, a concern that you have to maybe think about in there, but like you need to keep rolling this team forward in some manner. And, and again, like that's just where I get to. If you get to the beginning of next off season and you haven't used it at all, and you're thinking like, I think at that point, you're more of sort of a salary dumping ground for somebody looking to clear space, working in that kind of Oklahoma city range. Now they got, really good players by being a dumping ground and and a lot of value out of it. So it's not like that's a, that is a way you can operate, but you have to be realistic about what you're getting is, is players who some other team is saying like, we're going to dump this guy so that we can go and sign a free agent. And that's not really what you're hoping for. Right. So that's, and it's, it puts you in a, you know, pressure is on at that point because you have to use it. Um, And other teams know that. And I think next off season, there's going to be a lot more teams with cap room. than this year so that, you know, kind of will impact your options. There'll be other places for those teams to go if they want to dump salary, technically. And famously, like, this has worked out for the Celtics before, work using a trade exception in that exact manner. You know, they, they took Tyler Zeller, and they got the first-round pick that they then right. flipped to become Isaiah Thomas. And, like, that exact chain of events has, has actually worked out. But it's not something that you can count on working every single time because sometimes the, the players that you need to have, you know, the – you need to have somebody to dance with. And, and if there's no other team that's looking to, to behave in that way, then it doesn't really get you anywhere. Um, and you're also trying to contend here. You're not trying, yeah. you're not in the beginning of a rebuild where a first yeah. round pick is like, great. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, all right. So let's, uh, let's throw some names around here from this front. We're going to, I mean, I'm sure we're going to be doing this for much of the next 10 months anyway. But let's, I have a huge list. We have a, we have a list here. Huge list um, I'll throw, let's each throw out like, Three names. Let's take turns. Um, I think an easy place to look, especially this season, and I, I'll just throw this out as a team, is like Orlando. Yep. And you got, I think, like, I mean, you have, I think, three candidates down there. I haven't even, like, and I'm just yep. doing it off memory. You have, you have Fournier making $17 million. You have Aaron Gordon, who I think is making around $18 million. And then Terrence Ross is down there and is a useful player making – I think around 13, million, I want to say. 13 and a half. 13 and a half. So, yeah, who, who's uh, who's interesting you off the, that list, Ryan? Who's, uh, who, who do you make a run at there, potentially? Yeah, I think the one who gets the most, uh, probably gets the most mentions right now in sort of Celtics internet sphere is Fournier. Uh, to me, he's the least interesting of the three. I think mm-hmm. clearly the most interesting of the three is Aaron Gordon. If you yeah. can get Aaron Gordon for, you know, draft picks, uh, functionally or a draft pick in Romeo Lankford or something like that. And again, that's sort of the exact player I was thinking about where having Lankford be on the shelf isn't great. Like that's not the exact situation that you want to be in at this point so that he could potentially build up trade value or prove that he's too good to be traded, something like that. Uh, but Gordon is the one because again, you get two years. So second year is descending. The money next year doesn't matter all that much. Uh, it's an amount of money that maybe puts you just over the luxury tax, but you could try to do some other things, especially if you're trading out a player instead of just picks that you probably get back underneath, something like that. Um, so I think he's clearly the most interesting one. And then you would think Fournier would be the next one. I don't really see his role on the team um, in a world where Kemba gets healthy. 
Yeah. He's kind of an on-ball creator, but he's a small guard. He's not a particularly good defender. Like, I just don't see where he really fits. Terrence Ross isn't a great defender either, but he has, there's a reason that he was always on my list of guys who you might want to trade Gordon Hayward for, uh, which is functionally what this would be. And that's that he has three years left on his deal, including this one, again, descending a value that would be eminently tradable next year, a year down the line. He can shoot the ball. Uh, he's a little bit, a little bit longer and, and bigger than, than Fournier. Again, not a good defender, but um, so in my mind, it would be like Gordon, obviously the most expensive, but the one that you would target. And that would, as we have talked about in other times, if he plays the way you need him to play, it would be basically the perfect fit. Uh, Ross second, Fournier third. Um, I don't know, are you higher on, on Fournier than I am? That That is the no. one that's been, I see a lot today. Yeah. I mean, it, I, not really. Cause like you said, it's, it's, it's one, it's an expiring, which I think makes it less appealing. Um, not that he's gonna make a ton, but, um, I you never know. I think, you never know. <laughs> exactly. We've, the Celtics have found that out the hard way the last couple of years. Um, and then on top of that, I just think like, you know, what, what are his odds that he's going to be in your closing five? Like not great if, if Kemba's healthy and, and smart's good to go. The other guys. Yeah. Like, like Gordon could be your closing five. If you know, we, we know, you know, he last year was a down year for him. He's had a very up and down career there in a mismatched front court for him. Um, but that's, you know, his, that could be a good buy low candidate. And I guess Terrence Ross would be good, but then, I mean, you, you drafted Neesmith hoping that you have Terrence Ross for like $4 million for the next couple of years. So that's, that's not that he's going to be that, that soon. Um, but I think that's, you know, if you need to get Ross in here, that's not a good sign for what, what, what Neesmith spent early in his career. Yeah, I mean, I think you can make the you can never have too much shooting, you can never have too many wings argument yeah, with that one pretty easily. Um, but in, again, in part, I think you're, you'd be going for Ross basically because your trade exception expires in a year and Ross makes it money over the next couple of years that you could package with other things and, and uh, you know, potentially be looking at it sort of as an asset management thing as well as a, a roster management question. Um, but like I said, I, to me, it's Gordon is like the obvious number one. He you'd need somebody who is big and can defend. You want a, you know, a big wing defender to take some of the pressure off Tatum as his offensive role continues to expand. Uh, it's hard to tell what his market is exactly. I know Zach Lowe has been sort of asking about him in, in a number of different times in columns over the last year and sort of thinking that his market is pretty, you know, pretty diminished at this point and that the league isn't particularly high on him. So I don't know, maybe there's a chance to, to jump in there. Uh, particularly if Orlando were to fall out. Again, that's where you get to, like, if Orlando is hanging down the standings and they're looking at this draft class and saying, like, hey, you know, a couple extra spots down is worth quite a lot to us, then uh, Gordon would be the kind of player who you might want to move. Um, that's a good so, point, too. Like, the there should be a lot of teams trying to tank this year if they're out of it. Yeah, that balance between the play-in tournament and tanking is something that I don't really know how to read because we have never had a play-in tournament for the entire season before, obviously. Um, and so it's, it's just hard to get a handle on exactly how it's going to work, but you would think that some teams in the East, particularly with the competitiveness of the West, I don't think the top of the West is as good as it's been for, you know, 15 years. And I don't think it's particularly great in terms of like three, four, five and, uh, in the West this year, but you expect there to be a lot of teams that win enough games out there that any, any team that sort of slides down the standings in the East probably moves pretty high up in the lottery with the lottery odds. If you land at fifth or sixth you have a pretty good chance of getting a player who would, who would have been the number one pick this year. Um, so you might be looking at teams like Orlando that are looking to take a back, take a step back. And, and Aaron Gordon is like the exact type of player who props you up to win just a few too many games. Um, so it might be that they are looking to move him at some point. And, and I do think that that would be uh, a really natural fit uh, with the rest of what the, the team has. 
So that's that's sort of my my number one. Um, you want me to throw out a couple? Yeah, yeah. Give me give me your uh, give me another name. So I'm going to eliminate one off the top, uh, which is Victor Oladipo, who is the highest salary player who I think would make any sort of sense in this. I don't think he particularly makes sense here. I don't think they're going to work with Indiana after sort of no, the way that, that, that would have. Right so I'm going to eliminate that off the top, right? He makes $21 million. He fits just under the hard cap, by the way, I haven't calculated. I'm going to eliminate Oladipo, but I'm going to focus on another team and move sort of down the list of salaries. And that's San Antonio mm. who have two players who are interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, one expiring Rudy Gay. Um, and one who's not expiring, which is DeJounte Murray. Um, Murray is another player who's very difficult for me to get a handle on, like, who, what his value is. He signed an extension, um, you know, before last season. It's not a huge extension, but it's four years, $66 million that he has left, so it's not, it's not nothing. It's sort of Marcus Marty money for a Marcus Marty player, uh, not as gritty and winning plays-y, um, but, a, you know, a, a very good sort of, Nobody's exactly sure if he's a point guard or not guard. Not a great shooter. Maybe he'll develop it. Fantastic defender. Um, and a player that, again, is very young. Um, so another player who you're picking up because he could help this team now, but also maybe because he becomes a trade asset down the line. But how much would he cost to actually get? How high are the Spurs on having players like that? Are they at some point going to rebuild? And basically, same question we have with Orlando. Are they going to be like, hey, we're like three losses away from being from being like having a 10% chance at Cade Cunningham. And like, is that just what we want to do? And do they start to look to move players like that and maybe regularize their backcourt a little bit where they have a couple of those combo guardy players. So those are the two on San Antonio that interest me. Um, any, anything that. Yeah. That so I mean, yeah, Murray is, that's, I mean, like you said, it will come down to cost for a guy like that. Gay. I'm not. It's not like, exciting. It's not, it's not exciting. I also, I mean, I wonder what I mean, this is I think a pretty worst case scenario because of, of his age. But um, I mean, would it be worth to get bird rights on like Aldridge um, for for the long term? I don't think you can fit him under the hard cap, right? Um, That's true. So you'd have to move other stuff. You'd have to move like you'd have to move out a young player. Oh, it makes twenty four. So, twenty four. Yeah, I mean, so it's right, like, right, right there. You're tight. You'd have to move something. I think you'd have to move too many assets to be worth it to buy his bird rights now. Yeah. On the bird rights front, Rudy Gay's bird rights don't really have any value. I don't think he's 34. Right. So that, that I agree that that's not, like, what you're looking for here. But I'm just sort of working my way down the list of, like, guys, guys and teams here. I do like Patty Mills about UFT here now, so that's not going to happen. Um, unless yeah. Teague has nothing left and they just get rid of him. Um, I have a similar problem to, to Rudy Gay that his bird rights probably don't have any value at, yeah. at his, his age, right? Yeah. He, he's a fun, like, I mean – that's a fun, like, it would be fun to watch him from a fit standpoint. Like, he's only 32. He's not much is a defender. Really? Yeah. So he does. Wow. So, and he, like, I don't know, he can, like, that's a playoff-proven guy who's still shooting 40% from three and just makes stuff happen off the bench all the time. So, like. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd cut Teague in a second for him. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, you could get. Long-term value. But, yeah, right. I mean, that's right. He should be in the Rudy Gay category of, like, right. eh, that's not great, but, like, is it a thing you'd be interested in? I don't think there'd be much interest in either of them. To me, Murray is the one that's, like, yeah, Murray fits the timeline. Remorse on him. Yeah, if they have any buyer's remorse on him, could you come in and and offer, you know, something legitimate but not huge and and get him? Um, so yeah. All right, I like that. All right, let's uh, I give you another one here. How about? Let me pull this up. You want to look? You want me to throw out a couple more? No, or? I got. Okay. I don't like these guys, but I think you have to put this team out here, like the Cavs. 
Like Larry Nance Jr., yeah. the three-year, $30 million that's been rumored forever, that's going to be there. They're a team that's probably going to want to dump money. Um, but that's not an exciting one, but that's just like – that's a deal where at least you got a salary locked in at, at a player that can play for you off the bench. Yeah, and then Osmond is the other one, I assume. Right. On, on yeah, Osmond's the other guy. We'll put out there. Yeah, I mean – I guess we did talk early on about how they might be playing a little bit bigger and Larry Nance would fit somewhat into that idea of we're going to play more traditional power forwardy kind of stuff. Um, I, I think that that's again, more on the asset side where you're like trading for him because he's got three more years and that manageable dollars and that they might turn right. into something down the line that you're trading. I don't like love the fit in terms of playing him in the playoffs or anything like that, but a little bit of beggars can't be choosers here, right? This, you're coming out of this from a not great situation and like, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Um, Osman, I think, again, I'd like to have wings and I like to have shooting. He's not a player who I'm a particular fan of at can't all. Can't defend at all. Can't. And he's I not actually is. that good of a shooter. He's not good enough with the ball to play with the ball. Like, he's just kind of a player who hangs out on crappy teams um, is what I think of him. So, right. And I think that's probably the same for Terrence Ross, but he's been around longer and shoots a little bit better. <laughs> um, I was saying that Terrence Ross I would take, so maybe I'm being unfair there. But um, I don't know. Not a huge fan. You mean got um, I have a lot of guys here. Um, <laughs> uh, you want older guys or younger guys? Give me a... Uh, you gave us a younger guy last time, Murray, so give us an older guy here. Any interest in Thad Young? 32. Yeah. Chicago, sort of a, you know, power forward, wing-ish. Any interest there? Two more I'd, years. Two more years? Yeah, I'd feel like, give me Nance Jr. over him. Well, I'm I thinking you could get Young for give, nothing. Right, you get me Young for that's a good free. Yeah, cause he, and it's non-guaranteed in the in the... I think it's half guaranteed or something like right. that, isn't it? But um, I don't know. I think he could help the team in some amount. Uh, if you thought that you were a top-tier title contender, I think that one makes a little bit more sense to me. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, you're looking for older guys who have a second year on the contract that fit. Um, you know, other old guys, Trevor Ariza is expiring. You could probably have him for basically free. Uh, but, I mean, he's, like, old now. Uh, how old is Ariza? 34-ish? 35. Like he actually put up 35. pretty solid numbers with the yeah. Blazers. So it's another we... guy, though, that doesn't have any – his bird rights don't really have any value, and you're, it's really just a play for this year, I think, with, with Ariza. Yeah. Um, but you're going to get that a lot with, with some of these older guys. Um, and then when you get sort of lower down into the salary range, there's some guys who become maybe more more interesting. But you have you have any other ones that you want to talk about before – or do you want to – yeah, I mean, um, so <laughs> no, here's the other couple names that I think are intriguing. Denver. Um, I think the Will Barton, Gary Harris, like one of those two guys might be available. If, yeah. Like, cause it's like, they're kind of redundant and I'm not sure who you'd want. And they both have another year left after this upcoming year. So you do lock in some control there. Um, Denver might just be, you know, if they're in top, you know, if they look great and are in full contender mode, they're not probably not going to want to move either. But if they have a down year, I feel like one of those guys could be available at a pretty cheap price if they're looking to dump some salary. Yeah, I had sort of crossed those guys off my list specifically because I thought they're going to be good enough where they won't want to do that kind of thing for an exception trade where you're not getting any sort of current value back. Um, I agree that there could be circumstances where by the trade deadline they're looking to move one of them. It seems like they're going to be needing both of them, having, um, you know, having having lost Jeremy Grant, who was playing a little bit of three. Uh, now they're going to be playing Michael Porter at the four, maybe. I think they're really going to need 
uh, Gary Harris's defense. So I think they're more likely to to move off of uh, off of Will Barton. But yeah, I mean they're both okay. <laughs> um, you're you're sort of in that same category. If you get that guy and you're like, okay, that's a thing that happened that we got right. That a lot of these guys are. Um, but I think those are both reasonable reasonable targets. Um, you want uh, sort of on the, the scale of more interesting, uh, maybe people wouldn't think that they would become available. Um, you want one of those from me? Yeah. <laughs> How about Norm Powell? Huh. Norm Powell makes $10 million this year, but he has an $11 million, $11.6 million player option next year. Um, you would think that he's not going to pick that up, but would you bet your life that he's not going to pick that up because the Raptors having signed Van Vliet, if they want to go play in the max market, can't have him making $11.6 million next year. Right. So would they functionally salary dump him if they are the fifth seed? And would you be interested in that? Now, the problem is, again, he's probably going to opt out. So you're more, if, you're, if he's playing well enough to want him, he's going to opt out. And so you're basically buying his bird rights. But he also would be a player who would be valuable on this team this year. Um, and I think most people are going to be like, oh, Toronto's not going to be trading Norm Powell. Like, why would they be doing that? They're trying to win right now. But they're not really trying to win right now. They're trying to set up a team to go and chase a max free agent. Um, and so I wonder if he becomes available as functionally a salary dump at some point during the year. And if you're trying to salary dump a guy, you can trade him for an expiring contract. That's probably ideal for them, but a trade exception does that as well. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, that they're going to be a really interesting team, um, given their complete overhaul in the front court. And like if, if Baines, you know, Baines is a good signing for them, but if he gets hurt, then they've got, you know, they're relying on Alex Len to play starting center. Um, they could- which, very easily be be the fifth seed, sixth seed, something like that. Like, so could yeah, be Celtics. Sure. That's, you know, um, but they, there are a teams and they're in a position where, like, they're just looking at me like, you yeah, know, what we're really playing for is, especially if, like, if Giannis doesn't sign the Supermax and he's going to be a free agent, they've been setting everything up for that, and then Norm Powell pops in and suddenly they're trying to, like, dump him for first-round picks while they're shuffling stuff around, and, you know, as we've seen with other teams have to do that when you're when you really get caught like that, you can have to pay quite a lot to trade Andrea Godalo, who's like a good player still, right? Um, you don't want to get caught in that spot. So I do think that there's a circumstance where you get them. Again, I, w- I sort of wish that second year was guaranteed because under those circumstances, I think they would be basically knowing that they have to dump him and that he would have more value to a team like the Celtics. Um, that option makes it a little bit complicated. Uh, but I think it's an interesting player who certainly could help. You know, fits into the trade exception. I think George exactly. Hill. George Hill, I mean, yeah, George Hill definitely does, and that's that's like a no-brainer. I'm going back high up the list. Okay. Um, I'm going the exact opposite of George Hill. Um, Otto Porter. Otto Horford. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, barely, right? He fits by like $10,000. You $10,000, you could get him for free. Hard cap. You can't get him. Oh, that's right. Him. Yeah. Yeah, if you go above that line. That. That's why Victor Oladipo so, yeah. is the top of my that's line. That's right. I'm, that's like, I'm thinking, I'm thinking yeah. next season, and that's but he's expiring, so that's not going to work. Yeah, so if um, you're talking about the players who go into next season when you roll and don't have to worry about the hard cap anymore, you do open up another player who we've talked about in other, other circumstances, which is Harrison Barnes, who mm. probably gets you too close to the hard cap or makes the hard cap very difficult to manage this year. But next year he's making 20, and then he has 18 million a year after that. So you get into like, hey, would that have any interest in anybody? You also get... Any interest in playing the Draymond Green game if Golden State tanks? Or not tanks, if they crater <laughs> uh, with, you know, Clay. Um, you're getting into, you know, again, next year stuff. Buddy Heald makes too much to really work what this about, year. I'm not a Buddy Heald. There's a lot Zach, of guys out there. Would you offer for Zach Levine? Zach Levine. 
Yeah, I didn't even mark him on mine because I don't like combo guards, so I just like didn't <laughs> put him on my list because I'm like, I don't like combo guards. I don't want to pay $19.5 million for Zach Levine. Um, I think that one is interesting if Kemba doesn't – if Kemba looks right, really if, off. If, right, you have if, a spot for, like, an all-offense, defensive, limited player, um, which is not – if you're in that position already, you kind of have to ask if you're if it's worth it, like – but there's no out, right? There's no tanking for this team. There's no, like, taking a giant step back and going the draft route at this point. So no, you could find yourself in a position where you're basically stuck, and you're like, oh, Kemba's knee looks bad, and what are we going to do? And it's like, yeah, okay, Zach Levine it is. <laughs> uh, I don't think it's impossible. But, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a fan. I just don't like that positional archetype. Yeah, I mean, it's not a great, like, yeah. fit, and it's an all-offense player, which – you, this team is not all about in general. So, but that is in terms of if you want most upside offensively, that's probably the best you're going to do uh, with that money. Yeah, great offensive player. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt that he can he'd be able to score at a high level on a good team. It's just whether or not he'd be able to be a positive net player <laughs> on a really good team is, is maybe an open question. Oh, I got a bad contract for you. Okay. Eric okay. Gordon. Yeah, I, another bad. one I crossed off the list, and I was like, he'd have to prove that he's playing well this year. He'd have to be in a situation where he's playing well and Houston isn't, which I think is a possibility. He could just sure. have a bounce-back year while while they're in, like, total turmoil of nobody wanting to be there anymore, and, and he does look a lot better, um, and you could probably have him for free. Um, I again, combo Maybe guard, you get something to take him. Oh, you probably – I'm sure you would, actually. Uh, but it's just like they don't have anything to give, or I guess they do now. Because they yeah, got they a got couple picks for Covington, picks, right, sure. and stuff like that, yeah. Um, See how much Tillman's hurting. Yeah. I mean, I, I he's another guy who, like, I had highlighted on my list, and I sort of flicked it off, and I was like, eh. It's me. a long sure deal. Yeah. Um, um, all right. So. Come more. What do you got? Much, much lower on the salary scale. Same team, P.J. Tucker. Sure. Everybody loves P.J. Tucker. P.J. Tucker, uh, George Hill, done. Like, yep. Everybody in the league wants him. Um, if you can get him. Knock that out. Uh, Alpha Rukamino coming off of major surgery uh, about a year ago. Uh, you could probably have him for free from another Orlando guy who we skipped over was on my list. Another Chicago guy we didn't talk about, Sadoransky. Again, if Kemba doesn't look right and you're looking for somebody more on the creative side um, as opposed to um, a wing. He's a big you know, big point guard. He can do a little bit of wing defending, but um, $10 million this year and next year. That's uh, a possibility. Um, and then you get into guys who you, you sort of get into the salary range of it's like, hey, you don't need a giant trade exception to trade for a lot of these guys as you get right. lower into the salary range. So um, I think that's pretty much everybody who I had on my list. Uh, Corey Joseph, we didn't mention. Everybody knows who Corey Joseph is. Yeah. Oh, and then the last one I had um, was I don't think these two teams will trade, but you want Tory and Prince um, mm-hmm. because Brooklyn – I don't know exactly what their relationship is to paying the luxury tax at the moment. And it's hard to calculate luxury tax right now because they're going to cut the tax payments based on how, you know, how far revenues fall below expectations, but they're about 20 million over the projected tax line now, or they are projected to be 20 million above the tax line now, which is like a 30 something million dollar tax bill, even if revenues drop 25%. Uh, So it might be a situation where they could dump him and save like $30 million in salary and tax. And if they could just give him away for nothing, and obviously you could give him away for nothing into a trade exception, he's not. A, I don't trust him. We've talked about no, it before. As he's not a good on on the Nets. I think we talked with Rich about you know months ago about what his or a month ago maybe it just seemed like months ago um, about 
how he's not a particularly good defender, even though he looks like he is one. But he was the last guy on my list of like, you could have him. Uh, and then the last player who might fit, the really last last player is Marcus Smart. You could put Marcus Smart at the trade. No, so that's pretty much the entire list I had. There's certainly plenty of other guys who make salary in that range. JJ Redick and Justice Winslow and a million other guys who for a variety of reasons I had sort of crossed out. Yeah. Um, I like having, you know, I'm looking for guys who ideally have, are, you know, have more than one year or who I think they're, that their bird rights have some value. Could always bring back Dwight Powell. We could always bring back Dwight Powell, but I'm not looking for a center. Well, you, don't want a, you don't want a center coming off a Achilles tear? Probably not. Can we get TJ uh, Warren after all this? Uh, the, and then the joke that I've made and now that everybody has made is Miles Turner. <laughs> <laughs> what is funny, because Indiana, probably more than any other team, has guys to trade into this. Um, beyond Turner, like Jeremy. They just have so many... Tenor. Yeah, well, Jeremy Lamb, you were about to say. I never, I don't know if Jeremy Lamb's ever going to play. Like his his injury was so horrific that I don't. I yeah, know I mean, we'll see what is. he looks like. But hopefully, he does because he's a UConn guy. But, right. But um, I love UConn guys. Um, all right, so yeah, that's a we're going to be. I feel like talking about this all year long. Well, that's a good primer for everyone in terms of the type of guys the Celtics are probably looking at uh, heading into this season, which. Uh, we've got we've got preseason basketball, Ryan, two weeks away. Um, how excited are you? Is it that long away? <laughs> it might not even. It's December fifteenth for the Celtics. Yeah, so right, a little so over two yeah. weeks. A little too. NBA uh, less than two weeks away. Um, catch the fever. Catch Wait, the fever. No, don't. And, <laughs> never say do that. not do not catch. Do not catch the fever. Stay healthy, people. Um. um yeah. All right. Uh, I hope that they have a season that starts uh, healthy and, and, and does okay. I'm concerned with the state of the NFL <laughs> that, it, that it won't. But, yeah, in theory, we'll have games in a couple of weeks and then uh, real games in, in less than a month, which is crazy. But um, so follow sports podcasts and talk about basketball. <laughs> you heard it here first. Um, yeah. All right. Follow Ryan at DangerCart on Twitter. Follow us at WinningPlaysPod. Um with any feedback, uh, questions, Ryan loves questions. So send him more questions. Um, and please rate, review, subscribe to the winning place podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Um, we'll be back later this week. I think we're going to hear from Danny Ainge. I want to say on Tuesday, along with the Celtics new signing. So there should be some stuff to react to there as well as the beginning of, cease training camp so stay tuned for that and thanks for listening